It's Texas Standard Time on a Tuesday. I'm David Brown. Thanks for being with us. In this age of Twitter-fried toxic politics, it's interesting to try to imagine how historians might someday look back on this era in American history. To call it turbulent seems almost understatement, at least through our current lens. But history itself may help us understand these times we're living in, and that is perhaps one reason that the new book by historian Doris Kearns Goodwin is getting so much attention right now. Its title alone may leave some listeners pining for another era. Leadership in Turbulent Times. Doris Kearns Goodwin, the author, joins us. Welcome to the Texas Standard. Thank you. Glad to be with you. You're looking back at four U.S. presidents you've written about in the past, uh, Lincoln, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, FDR, LBJ. I know you've been working on this book before the 2016 election, however. I've seen some of your other interviews elsewhere. Uh, What was it that made you think the time's right to talk about presidential leadership when you started on this? Well, even five years ago when I started the book, it was clear that in Washington there was a broken political system. I mean, neither party could get a major piece of legislation through without the other party being on the opposite side. They still were beginning to view each other as traitors rather than just simply opponents. And there seemed to be a feeling that the kind of leadership that we had in the past, which could make citizens feel they were part of a a whole, and the country as a whole was splitting into different sections. And then, of course, it just got exacerbated by the current moment when there seems to be an absence of the kind of leadership that these four men provided. So I feel in a certain sense, if we can go back to those times, Mm -hmm. we often... People say to me, are we living in the worst of times? And I say, no, just remember what it must have been like for Lincoln when he took over and the Civil War is about to break out, the Depression, the Great World War II. It gives you some reassurance to know that we got through those times before. It may not seem like we're going to come through this one, but we surely can. Well, it's, it's interesting that you should mention Lincoln because through the lens of history, again, you think of Lincoln as a uniter. But if you look back at that period immediately before his election, the nation was incredibly divided, and at least half the country saw Lincoln as a divider. No question. And in fact, even when we think of our media environment today, and we talk about how divided it is with different cable networks, in Lincoln's time, the way you got your news was through a partisan newspaper that you would subscribe to. So if it's the Lincoln-Douglas debates and you've subscribed to the Republican newspaper, they'll say, Lincoln was so great. You know, he was carried out on the shoulders of his friends in great triumph. You read the Democratic newspaper and they say he was so terrible, embarrassed he fell on the floor and they had to drag him out of the room. (laughs) So there was that sense, you're absolutely right, of the North and the South, of different parts of the country feeling very different about the central issue of the day. So we've been through that, that's for sure. But even even if you take it to FDR and you think about, say, um, uh, 1935, 36, the court packing uh, controversies, uh, that sort of thing. Again, we were a very polarized place, were we not? We were indeed. I mean, at the beginning, when the Depression first hit FDR's inauguration, he was able to bring about a common sense of working on the problems through the 100 days. But by the end of the 100 days, when he started to have systemic reform, then you began to see that split form. So it's important to remember these things because we think sometimes now that we're in a situation where we can't get something done. And we need some changes, I think, in our political system. But as FDR said, problems created by man can be changed by man. It's not like these things are out of our control right now, it's, although it feels that way sometimes. So, so how do presidents provide leadership as you define it? Well, I think what it depends upon is they have to be fit for the time that they're in. I mean, think of LBJ. I mean, he was a legislative wizard. He comes into the presidency after JFK's assassination, and he knows that 
everything's been stuck in the Congress. I mean, again, we think about this only happening now, nothing getting through Congress. There hadn't been a major piece of JFK's legislation that had gotten through. And because he knew how to deal with the Congress, that very first night after JFK is dead, he starts trying, I'm going to get a tax bill through first, then I'm going to get civil rights, then I'm going to get voting rights, and then I'm going to get Medicare, and then I'm going to get aid to education. And he was able, because he knew those congressmen, he called them at 6 in the morning, he called them at noon, he even called the senator at 2 a.m. Now, I hope I didn't wake you up. And the senator said, no, I was just lying here, looking at the ceiling, (laughs) hoping my president would call. (laughs) So he had the skills that were needed at that time. I mean, he's still the most interesting, formidable character I think I've ever met. And similarly, FDR had the skills of being able to talk to people on the radio with that voice that allowed them to feel he was their friend. He was talking to them in their living room. Um, Teddy Roosevelt had the skill to deal with the Industrial Revolution era and channel all that negative energy that surrounded people feeling like the country was changing in ways they didn't like into moderate reform that took away some of the worst aspects of the industrial order. So it it depends on the, the person being having a set of skills that fit the needs of the time, and all four of those did. But what if, I mean, it's interesting because you talk about the needs of the time, and it seems like in some sense you can say that the crisis, uh, which brings about the need for leadership, is what makes these presidents leaders. And yet there are a lot of people listening, thinking about modern times and, and thinking, what if the crisis is the purported leader? What, I mean, what if instead of, 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 of someone responding to the crisis, what we're talking about is one that's created by the president uh, himself? Yeah, that's a very different situation. You're right. In all these other cases, there's a real crisis in the country. And, for example, Buchanan wasn't ready for it in the way Lincoln was. But we did have, before even President Trump... We have a polarized country. We have people in one section or one class or one race looking on the other as the other rather than as a fellow citizen in many ways. And that's the one thing that Teddy Roosevelt said would be the rock of democracy would founder if that should happen. But then the crisis can be exploited or made worse as a result of the leadership that's there or the absence of the kind of leadership that heals things and brings people together. You know, if I'm not mistaken, you've written about all of these figures in the past, and this is this seems to me almost like a greatest hits collection, but obviously you're focusing very much on this aspect of leadership, and I sense that at the end of these profiles, you're sort of sending a message about what the takeaway is. Have we lost the, the, the lessons of history? Is that something you're trying to get back to? Or, or well, am I missing? what I feel so passionate about right now is that we have to remember what genuine leadership looked like. You know, persons who had humility, um, who had empathy, who created teams that worked together and they shared credit with the team and they shouldered blame. Persons who knew how to control their emotions and not let anger slip out who were able to communicate in ways that people felt made them feel part of the country as a whole. If we don't remember those kinds of standards of leadership, then we might get caught in this norm that we're living in as if this is what we're going to have from now on. And that's what history can do. It allows you to imagine. If you can't imagine a better time, and this way by looking in the past, we can imagine harder times, but they were better times in the end, then maybe it mobilizes us to do what we need to do to find the kind of leaders and to be active as citizens to be able to change our situation now. Boy, you you sound awfully optimistic. I guess I have to be. That's my temperament. And I think, you know, in the end, if you lived through the Civil War, would you have ever thought it would end up in such a way that even with all those dead, the country was made a much better country without slavery? If you'd been there in the early years of the Depression, when the banks had collapsed and you can't even get your money out of the bank and you don't have a job and people are wandering around the streets, people thought the future of capitalism was grim at that point. 
um, or in the early days of the civil rights movement when there was violence in the air and, and Kennedy had been assassinated, would you have thought that civil rights and voting rights and aid to education and Medicare would all get through in the next 18 months? So mm-hmm. things turn. You know, I guess the older you get, and I'm older now, the more you see that things come in turn. And I think America's strength is not as, as weakness as we sometimes think. Historian Doris Kearns Goodwin is a Pulitzer Prize-winning author. Her new book, Leadership in Turbulent Times, is out today. Uh, Doris, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's a real honor and privilege. Thank you very much. I'm glad we could talk.